Hey, everybody. This is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. Atlanta United on Saturday is going to travel to Columbus, Ohio. Guess what? It's supposed to rain because every time Atlanta United plays at Columbus, it rains. It's just bizarre. But the good news is the game is at beautiful lower.com field. It's got a announced kickoff of 730, but I'm betting it's going to kick off around 739. Of course, you can follow my coverage live on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC. You can watch the game on the MLS channel on Apple TV. Kevin Egan will be calling, and you're going to hear from him in just a little bit, along with manager Gonzalo Pineda, Franco Abara, Luis Araujo, and Miguel Berry, who figured to play important roles this weekend against the crew. Atlanta United is 3-0-1. Columbus is 1-2-1. The crew and Atlanta United are both going to be missing a lot of key players. We're going to get into that. Uh, when you listen to the sound bites and in the mailbag. So I hope you'll stay with us. I hope you'll follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now, and on Instagram at Douglas David Robertson. And if this is your first time listening to us, please make sure to follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so that you never miss an episode. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. So just to kind of help you all understand how things work during the week, because the schedule is pretty set this season, most games are on Saturday, it's around the same time. We get availability four days out and then two days out. So typically we go up there on Tuesdays and Thursdays. This Tuesday, we got to talk to Franco Ibarra and Miguel Berry, two really good guys uh, having good seasons for the five stripes who are off to the best start in franchise history. Uh, They lead the league in goal difference. They have a league MVP candidate in Diego Almada, a defensive player of the year candidate in Miles Robinson, a young player of the year candidate in Caleb Wiley and goalkeeper of the year candidate in Brad Guzan. But we're going to focus on a few of the things that Franco Ibarra had to say, starting with if he's worried about all the guys that are going to be missing on Saturday. And I'm going to go through the list for you really quickly so you'll know. These are guys who have been called up by their national teams. It includes Yorgos Yakamakis by Greece, Almada by Argentina, Robinson by the United States, Derek Etienne by Haiti, Machop Chol by South Sudan, Ronald Hernandez by Venezuela, and Luisa Brahm by Peru. Columbus is also going to be missing four players, three called up for national team. The biggest and most important is Lucas Zellerian uh, by Armenia. I think it's Armenia. It might be Azerbaijan. I've forgotten at this point. Uh, and Cucho Hernandez, who I think is injured. But anyway, here's Franco Abara on if he's worried about Atlanta United missing so many guys on Saturday. No, preocupación no, porque tenemos un grupo muy... No, I don't think there's any worry um, because we're all here um, and, and all the guys are working hard every day. Um, so, of course, we know the, the quality of the players who are missing, but um, we're continuing to prepare in the same way. Now, if you haven't watched Abara play a lot this season, one thing that does stand out in the minutes that you do watch 
is his tackles. He is a a strong, thick midfielder, and he doesn't get cheated when he goes in for tackles. He's put a lot of guys on their rear ends this season uh, just by swinging that right foot out or right leg and going through the ball. So I asked him where he learned to tackle. Well, no sé, siempre desde que tengo memoria siempre. I've always been like that. Just something I, I learned growing up, and I think also, you know, where I'm from in my family, I just learned to always, always fight and, and always give everything in, in whatever you're doing. So I think for me, it's just that kind of passion that uh, is burning inside me, and, and that's how I approach it. And I was also curious who Ibarra modeled his game after. No, yo siempre, bueno, miraba, me gustaba mirar a. Uh, I always watch Mascherano, uh, Enzo Perez, um, but today when you look around the, you know, at the big players in that position like Casemiro, they're, they're players who have great players around them, so uh, it's not really their responsibility to, to play, it's more to, like me, I'm, I'm trying to recover the ball um, and get it to the guys around me who, who have the quality to play, so Thiago, Amar, um, Rosetto, all the guys in, in midfield around me, so for me, it's just about win the ball back and, and play to them. Now, the next guy up on Tuesday was Miguel Berry, who we presume is going to fill in for Jorgis Yakamakis at striker. He's already started two games this year, has Barry, uh, and done reasonably well. So here's how he thinks the team could be better than it is now. I mean, it scored eight goals in the past two games for the first time since I think it was 2017. I think that may be 2018. I wrote it earlier this week, but my brain is feeble and it's hot outside and I'm just not thinking straight. But here he is talking about how much better the team can be. I think across the board, I mean, we're, we're four games in the season, so across the board I think we, we need to improve in that, you know, we're not just trying to make the playoffs, we're trying to win the whole thing. So um, I think to do that we have to, you know, improve in everything. And, and I think, you know, we, we go through film and, and we dissect and we nitpick a lot of times and that stuff's important because it's the little things that end up, uh, you know, coming up and, and mattering the most. So I think... Uh, you know we've done well so far, but there's there's room for improvement. We didn't get a clean sheet, and like you said, we could have scored five more. And there's going to be games when when you only get three chances, and you better score one or two of them at least. So um, I think you know we could always always do better. And but you know it's important to remember and that you know we've done well so far, and to, to to be have a positive mentality, but also to keep working. And I think we we do a very good job of that. So. And here's Barry talking about what he learned about himself from his first two starts. Yeah, I mean obviously nothing's guaranteed. So uh, you know. It's, it's easy to say that on paper, but I think nothing's guaranteed and that we have a great team. So uh, obviously going to train hard this week and, and hope, hope to get to not on the weekend. But I think, um, you know, us as a team, I think we, we've done well in, in certain areas. I think we've built game to game. I think we've scored, you know, our first game, we, we've gotten to good areas a lot of times and we didn't score until the 90th minute outside of shots from outside the box. I think we scored in transition well against Charlotte. Um, and I think, you know, last game, I think we scored in every possible way. Um, so I think it's it's exciting to see that, you know, we're putting the pieces together. And I think, you know, just really building relationships with the guys. Uh, Tiago, who's obviously not here, but Caleb, uh, Luis, um, obviously Rosetto has been out. But, you know, Amar, all these, all these players who I haven't played with, it's, it's, it's good to build relationships with them. So I was also curious if he's been on the other end of an Abara tackle. Uh, yeah, <laughs> quite a few times, unfortunately. Um, luckily, luckily today he was on my team and we won, uh, so that was great. But uh, I, I saw very, very early on, uh, Ibarra, Santi, you, you know, if you're going to go in with them, you go in hard, or else you're going to come out, come out uh, injured. So uh, having guys like that on teams is incredible, um, and I think you know it shows. And you talk about the energy 
and, and, and it goes in defending. When guys like that put in tackles, I mean, it makes me want to run through a wall for them. So um, they've done incredibly well this season. And I mean, they, they have a very difficult job with, you know, with how many attacking players we have. And I think they've done incredibly so. And here's a question for the Colonel, a friend of the podcast. Oh, why Miguel Barry has his first name on the back of his jersey? I mean, I'm the only one in my family with Barry's last name now. It wasn't my dad's biological last name. He had it changed recently. So I'm the only one in the family with Barry. So I thought for him, uh, I mean, really our family last name isn't Barry. So for me, as opposed to changing my name now and having to go through everything, I just keep it simple. First name there. And uh, I think he was he was really happy when I did it. So um, huh. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I could change my last name now, but that's a very legal, complicated issue. So I'll wait to do that. But um, yeah. For now, it's it is, it, it's just that, and uh, yeah, happy with it. Now, today, we got to talk to Luis Arahujo, another key piece of the team, and manager Gonzalo Pineda. And I asked Arahujo on if he feels more pressure to score with both Almada and Yakamaki's out. Of course not. Uh, we approached all the games the same, so we know we're going to miss the, the absences of Thiago, Yorgos, Miles, all the guys who are away, but this is a, an important game for us. So we're going to you know, treat it like we always do, prepare, because it's an important match. I was also curious what he thought the team would miss most about Almada being out. He does many things well. Um, you know, he, he helps us play out from the back. He helps us in the attack. Um, so we'll, we'll miss everything, but not just from him, but also all the guys who are with their national teams. Um, of course, we, we wish them well, um, and we'll be, be glad to have them back. And if you missed last week's game and you didn't see Almada's free kick, 35 yards, just a world-class strike, a thing of beauty. Arahujo was also standing over that ball when they were kind of figuring out who's going to take it. Arahujo revealed today that Almada was always going to take it. But I was curious if he was just stunned by it because it was such a precise kick over such a long distance. It, it was a thing of beauty. No, I wasn't surprised because uh, we, we train free kicks out here every day, uh, and, I, and I've seen it, so... Um, I congratulate him. It was a golazo, um, but uh, it's not. It's nothing new. Now switching to Pineda, here's him describing how the team can try to replace what Almada brings. Well, it's it's kind of impossible to replace, you know, everything in general with any player. Everyone brings something special to the team, uh, and we know what Almada can bring. Uh, what we always talk about is. Uh, the signature of this team has to be the togetherness and the team, the team effort, the team determination, the team mentality. So in that sense, yes, we're going to miss some guys, uh, but whoever comes on the field has to try at the best of his ability to replace the roles that, that we have for every position. And from there we will go. Uh, I think, you know, it's part of football. We're going to miss some players. They're going to miss some players and we'll see. And what's the hardest thing to replace that he does? The, the creativity. Uh, I think technically he's very good. We have other technical players in the team, but, but the, the creative part to see the gaps in between the back line to play a through ball to the creativity to dribble, but already knowing where is the next pass going, um, reading the game, adjusting in the last second of the play, where is the best pass. That, that, that's that's uh, the quality that Almada has. Uh, but again, we're replacing that with, with more tactics, with better understanding of time and space, uh, better coaching, trying to give the players the tools to succeed in this game. So again, the, there are a lot of things that we're working now to try to do a good game in Columbus. I know most of you have tried to wipe last season out of your brains, 
because the team failed to make the playoffs for the second time in three years. But to be fair, there were more than 20 injuries that robbed different players, sometimes the same player, of at least two consecutive games. So it was it was difficult for Pineda to piece together starting lineups week to week. So I asked him what he learned from last season and that experience that he can apply to Saturday's game against the crew. Trying to maintain the the same system, I think that's one that we're very proud of, not changing the core of the team. I think that's that's important, uh, but also the clear understanding on the tactics and, and the roles. We're big on, on the roles of the players, like everyone should have a role and everyone should understand the role on the field and from there just apply. And is the application what will make us better or worse, but they all should have the clear understanding of what they're doing. And that's our job as coaches. Again, coming back to Brian Schmetzer, uh, he always used to say, like, uh, we are here to give the players the tools to succeed. And I love that phrase. I think that's very important. It's always a good reminder for us coaches to, to understand our role as well and, and provide feedback to the players to, to have everyone together. And I asked this question, not really focusing on your ghost, but I guess the striker position. Because one thing that Garth Lagerway and Carlos Bocanegra and Pineda had said when they signed both Barry and Yakamakis is that while the striker may not score as many goals as Joseph did in his heyday, Joseph Martinez, who's now with Miami and hasn't scored in four games, but everyone around them may score more goals. So I was curious if he sees that happening so far. I mean, obviously the team does, but if it's working like he thought it would. Everything is connected. It's not just when we have the ball, we are attackers and, and all that. It's, for me, everything is connected. When we are defending, when we are pressing, that's a good way to attack because we want to regain the ball higher on the field and then from there we create chances a little bit from chaotic uh, movements because the position is open up, is they open up to play and then if we press right, if, if the timing is good, we can have a lot of spaces in that little transition moment and Gigi helps with that as well. So it's a little bit depressing starting with that and then obviously his movement you see a lot of his movements yes of sides and we we all see that stat that is not very very good but it's a positive in my opinion that we are making those runs mm-hmm. if the timing gets better if they know each other better if if Thiago knows the timing of Gigi when he's going to run if Gigi knows when Thiago is passing when Luis is passing when Amar is passing when Santi Ivara when all the players are activating uh, Gigi I think we're going to have a good understanding on how to stretch teams, and that will create more space for Thiago and Luis. And from there, we are going to have more chances. So yes, I think it's, it's, a, it's a good repertoire for Gigi's movement that is going to help collectively the attack, the attacking side of the team. Now, you're going to hear a few minutes from my conversation with Kevin Egan, who will be broadcasting the game on Saturday for Apple. So you've had some some opportunities to have some amazing goal calls with Atlanta United. Where does Saturday's Almada's free kick against Portland rank amongst your favorite calls? In terms of a goal call, it's one of my favorite goals to ever call. I don't know if my goal call would be up there. I mean, I was stunned that he went for it and I was stunned that he scored. And I think you could hear that level of surprise in my voice, which is a good thing too, because I think it's how the fans are feeling, right? When, when you experience that and you, you see how far out he is, Atlanta United put out a social media clip comparing it to Lionel Messi's goal against Brad Guzan on the international scene. And I'm like, that's cool and all, but Almada was a good 
you know, six, yeah. seven yards yeah. further out. Yeah. It was an outrageous strike. Also, Doug, the fact that he took three steps and generated that power and that amount of dip, it was like all of a sudden David Beckham, Roberto Carlos, and Juninho had a baby and produced <laughs> Thiago Almada to, 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 to score that free kick. It had all the qualities of, of all of those guys. Um, the Roberto Carlos power, the David Beckham whip, the Juninho dip. It had everything. Yeah, Remarkable free kick, and I just felt so lucky to, to, to be on commentary for it. All I said was, that was world-class, because it was. That's yeah. the sort of free kick that drops jaws all around the world. And maybe one day, Thiago Almada will be doing that, representing Barcelona or uh, or Manchester United, you know, you name it. I mean, I think I think Thiago Almada has all the talent and ability and personal drive to go and play for anybody. But for now, I think everybody in Major League Soccer is just thrilled he's, he's here in this league. There are very few times in my life I've been sitting on a press row or a press box and made a sound when something exciting has happened. But that goal was one of them. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's a curse word. <laughs> that I that I blurted out. Without- Go on, Doug. Tell us what'd you say? No, I can't do that. But to be what five eight, five seven, one hundred thirty pounds, whatever he weighs, to hit that thing about thirty five miles an hour, I figured out the distance and the time. That's amazing, just amazing. But it's like in golf or tennis, right? You, you it's all about your technique. Yeah. You don't need to be the strongest person in the world. Like I, I, I try and hammer a golf ball. And I'm, I don't think I'm a weak fella. I think I'm a fairly, you know, strong guy. And I, I'll try and hammer a golf ball. And I don't go nearly as far as someone who's, like you say, 130 pounds, who's got much better technique. And it's the same with tennis. And Almada's, Almada's relationship with the football is a beautiful yeah. sight to behold. Yeah, You know, how, how he can generate that power, how he has this 360 vision on the ball and before he gets the ball, how how easy he makes the game feel. It reminds me of that Johan Cruyff quote about, you know, football is a simple game, yet the hardest thing to do is play simple. And Thiago yeah. Almada makes the game feel very simple, but the things he's doing in the game are, are very, very difficult to execute. Good point. Good point. So without Almada on Saturday... At Columbus, it's going to rain because it always rains when Atlanta United plays. No, is it? Is it going to rain? That's what the forecast says right now. Come on, dog. I mean, it's just a monsoon every time they go there. Yeah. What do you think we're going to see on Saturday? I don't know in terms of a selection what Gonzalo Pineda is going to do here. Like, I would imagine – okay, so if you want to go through a projected 11, say – Brad still in goal. Uh, fullbacks stay the same, which is so important for this Atlanta United team. And then two centre-backs are gone. So you could be looking at Noah Cobb playing alongside Juan Hoparata. Uh, or you play Santi Sosa as a centre-back, potentially, which he's done before. And he's dropped in before. Certainly under Gabriel Heinze, he, he, he dropped in there an awful lot more. Maybe you do that. In midfield, I, I would see no reason to change it unless there's any injuries that that we're not aware of. Sadich has been exceptional, in my opinion. Uh, he's added a, he's added grit to his game. He's added a bite to his game, which I didn't really know was there. And uh, speaking of bite, then there's Franco Ibarra as well, whose game has been brought to a new level this season. And in speaking with him, I had a chat with him, and, and he said to me, watch, you're going to see a different Franco Ibarra this season. And he's been spot on. We certainly have. Um, maybe, if, maybe if you play... Noah, maybe you play Santi Sosa as well and you solidify the midfield against against guys like Morris and Nagby who 
who we know uh, for a formidable pairing in MLS. Um, and then up front, I think you're still going to see Wiley, you're still going to see Araujo, um, and you're going to probably see Miguel Berry against his old team. So I, I don't know if there's going to be too many shockers. It's just, does Gonzalo Pineda go with three robust, you know, tough tackling, you know, ball winners in midfield and guys that can keep the ball, certainly, especially Sadich and Sosa, or does he go with someone a bit more creative in that 10 role? Maybe you see Tyler Wolf get a go, uh, having returned from his long spell in Belgium. I'm not I'm not sure what he's going to do, but either way, the mood, the culture, the vibe around this team right now is incredible. It's incredible. It's it's like, you know, the, the new guys have brought in this fresh zest and there's this this love for the game and, and for being together. I hear nothing but brilliant things about Yakimakis and the vibe that he's brought to the team and even if it's younger guys going there to Columbus, you're taking on a depleted Columbus side that are missing massive pieces for them. Cucho, Zellerayan, Room, Degenek. These are all huge players for this crew side. So it's a shame that we're missing so many quality players, but at the same token, it's it, it, it's made it very even in terms of who can win the spoils. So if Atlanta United goes to Columbus and wins this game, gets all three points, would you consider them a a – Concrete favorite for MLS Cup? No, no, no. I I think it's way too early. Uh, would if you said would you consider them, you know, as a as a contender for MLS Cup? I'd say absolutely. Yeah, I I think they should be. There's too much quality in the group for them not to be in contention. But I still don't think, I still don't think they're on LAFC's level as of right now. Maybe later on in the year we could have that conversation. I think Seattle Sounders would rank ahead of them. I think Philadelphia would still rank ahead of them. There's 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 teams there that I, I would say right now have have given us enough evidence to suggest that they shouldn't be leapfrogged just because of a good four games from a side that did not make the playoffs last year and did have missed out two of the last three years. Um so track record. Proven ability to win games is very important. I, I think it's too soon to suggest that after four games. For perspective, for those listening, if Atlanta United gets three points against Columbus, they will already have six points on the road, which would be more than half of their total number of points earned on the road last season, which is yeah. a stunning stat. Yeah, um, it was just two wins on the road last year, right? Yeah, they got 11 points total. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. And, and so the confidence to take – and also the, the here's the thing, though. We saw a wrinkle from Gonzalo Pineda on the road this year. We've had three home games for Atlanta United, one on the road. The wrinkle being that Atlanta went to Charlotte and conceded a lot of the ball in terms of possession, and yet were well able to win it back and go. Those fast breaks with natural width, very impressive. Last year, we saw Atlanta United go on the road and dominate the ball but get picked off in key moments. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's a savviness and there's a maturation process here with this group that they're learning to win in different ways. That's a good point. And I think you're right. It's, uh, you know, when you can win by counterattacking, when you can win by scoring on set pieces, when you can win just by dominating possession, it, it bodes well for whatever situation you're going to find yourself in down the road. Yeah. Um, well, I know you're a busy guy. How can people find you? Over on Twitter, uh, I don't want people finding me on the street. That'd be a bit weird. So maybe maybe let's just stick to social media for now. It's just simply <laughs> at Kev underscore Egan um, on Twitter and uh, Instagram. I, I, I'll be honest and confess that I, I don't really go on much anymore. I, I, I've i taken Twitter off my phone and uh, 
by design you know i just just with being busier and with the kids at home i just i want to spend less time on the phone and um focus more on the actual job so apologies there if i'm not as as engaged as i once was but it's kev underscore egan over on twitter and, and instagram this is southern fried soccer from the atlanta journal constitution when we come back we'll have your questions about the mls team i'm ernie suggs and I'm Ned Ravone. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com unapologetically ATL. The Atlanta Journal Constitution has a special offer for our podcast listeners. If you subscribe today, you can get six months of unlimited digital access to the Atlanta Journal Constitution for just 99 cents. That's all of our sports coverage, politics, breaking news, investigations, food and dining. You can get all of our stories on AJC.com, access to our e-paper and our assortment of newsletters, including Bradley's Buzz from Mark Bradley. So join our community by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts so you always know what's really going on. And personally, uh, we had a big piece of news today. Our executive editor, Kevin Riley, is retiring, and I want to wish him the best. He was always a, a good friend of sports, always a sports fanatic. And Leroy Chapman is going to take over as executive editor. Another good guy. I wish both of them the best. And I want to thank Decatur Guna for sending me some music from a band called Follow For Now that I haven't heard in a long time, that he took the time to figure out to get to me. So very much appreciate it, Decatur Guna. And now we're going to start with our voice mailbag. We had three call-ins. I'm only going to read two, and I'll explain why, not the third one, in just a second. But that number is 770-810-5297. I cannot tell you how excited Daniel was when these calls came in because he's been waiting by the phone now for four days for y'all to call in, and you finally did. He hasn't eaten. He hasn't slept. He hasn't looked at his phone. All he does is stare at this old-school rotary dial telephone because technology and wait on a ring. I think it plays the Batman theme when it rings in. Here's the first voicemail. Hi, Doug. This is uh, Shane Follis, founding member, Smyrna, Georgia. I have more of a subjective question this week. I think that's the loudest I've heard MBS since at least 2018, maybe a little bit in 2019. Uh, the chance had more zing. The total stadium participation was the best I've heard in a long time. What do you think? We think it was one of the loudest you've heard since the 18th season. Anyway, great podcast. See you. Bye. Thank you for your voicemail. And now I have to be absolutely honest with you because I'm an honest guy, sometimes to my detriment. For a long time, we couldn't hear a whole lot of what was going on in Mercedes-Benz Stadium because the press box was enclosed in thick glass from our desks up to the ceiling. So I can't really compare what it was like in 18, 19, or the end of 17 with what we heard on Saturday. But now the glass has been removed. Thank you, Brett Jukes and Steve Cannon and others at AMBSE for that. And it was a fantastic experience. It was a fun experience. Scoring a lot of goals tends to have that effect. We'll see if the team can keep it going. But from my experience, home or away, it was a very loud, fun experience. Now, our second call-in comes from a pretty famous person who's dealing with some legal troubles right now. Hi, this is Donald from New York. I'm calling for Doug Robinson's Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. 
I've got two questions for you. One is actually for Donald. Excuse me, one is for Daniel. I'm Donald. I want to know, Daniel, where are my 11,000 votes? I need 11,000 votes in Georgia. Where are they, Daniel? And for you, Douglas, uh, can you comment on the chances that Miles Robinson may not be with the team through the end of the year, given his contract status? You do a great job, just a spectacular job, a tremendous job with your podcast. Thank you. Go Red Bulls. Excuse me. Go go Atlanta United. Now, we all know that Robinson, best center for, or best center back, world-class center back, believe me, I know I was talking to uh, my good friend, Kevin Egan, the other day. I love Kevin. Great guy. I think he's from, from Ireland. Fantastic accent. Anyway, he was telling me, Miles, the best. I love him. Good guy. And then I was playing golf, and I lost my golf ball. I don't know where the golf ball went, but I think Hillary had something to do with it. That's my money. Anyway, Robinson. I don't know. I would not at all be surprised if the team somehow falls back to the pack if Atlanta United does unload, or not unload, does sell Robinson if they get a good offer. If the team is in the running for Leagues Cup, MLS Cup, U.S. Open Cup, I think they'll just keep Robinson, keep the thing going, and uh, unfortunately lose the asset, um, of which Robinson is a tremendous asset. For me, he's playing like the best center back in Major League Soccer personally, I think he's been the best center back in Major League Soccer uh, the past few years, bar the, the injury season last year. The problem that Atlanta United has, and I, I talked about this on the podcast and I wrote about this several weeks ago, is other teams could just wait out Atlanta United and Robinson for his contract to end. Robinson could sign a pre-contract with a team. Uh, I think he can only do that in the transfer window. Uh, so that would be late August, early September. And then go on to his next team next season. It's going to be an interesting scenario. Now, the third voicemail we got, I'm not going to play because it was a rather, I think, kind of a personal question about an Atlanta United player, and I don't know if that player has put this information out there. Uh, it's about Juan Hoparata. I haven't checked his social media to see what he's said or not said. But I, I'm not going to play the voicemail, but I will tell you I don't know the answer to your question. Thank you for leaving the voicemail, but I, d- I don't know the answer. Now on to the regular mailbag. Chance, member of the Get Fresh crew, says he feels this match is quite the toss-up. Columbus has not looked good, but are only losing three players to the international window, albeit some major pieces. Whereas Atlanta United is losing six or seven players, several major pieces. Regardless, United will certainly have a fairly strong team, but without real replacements for Almada and Robinson, what should be our realistic expectation for this upcoming match? Whose case is stronger to win this trial? What is the jury's verdict? Chance says. Well, I can't give you who, well, I will give you one. I think Noah Cobb is going to start for Miles Robinson. I asked to speak with Noah on Tuesday and was told that he is not available this week, which makes no sense to me. If they think that it adds pressure to the player to not talk to the media, then therapy would never work. Talking is a good thing. It does ease pressure. It gives players a chance to vent and and think a little bit uh, on their feet, which is required in the game, but that's neither here nor there. As for who's going to replace Almada, there are three candidates, and you can find out who I think it's going to be when you read the scouting report tomorrow that I'll post on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC. Atlanta United is really only losing the three starters. 
Yakamakis, Almada, Robinson. Now, of course, those are three really good starters. But Miguel Berry will start, almost certainly start, against Columbus. I've already told Janua Cobb, I think we'll start for Robinson. Almada is the big hole. And I just posted a story about how Atlanta United plans to fill Almada, his spot, on AJC.com. Nick says, now, Nick, i got to warn you, I'm not a betting guy, so I may totally botch your terms here. I have two over-under values for you to consider regarding the 2023 team. Nick is a friend of the podcast, by the way. Over-under 57.5 points. The over would tie 2019 for second best. And over-under on two and a half place in the East. Second would also tie for best ever. Well, let me tell you this, Nick. If Atlanta United goes to Columbus and gets three points on Saturday, I think I would go with the over on 57 and a half points because that would already put them at six points from road games this season out of two. Last season, out of 17, they only got 11 points, which is just a a shockingly bad number. So if they get six points, which would be three from Columbus on top of the three from Charlotte, I think the over would be a, a bet, though I'm not a betting man and don't endorse betting. Now for, I think this is two and a half place in the East. Second would tie for the best ever. Um, The East is tough. Um, Obviously, if they had more than 57 and a half points, chances are they're going to finish at least second in the East. But I'm going to go with third for right now because there are some other really good teams and we'll just have to see how it happens. On to Ben, friend of the podcast who says, my optimism grows each week, and I credit Pineda for having the team ready to play each week while showing improvement. I understand that consistency brings results. Last season, the team sheet was pretty consistent before Guzan's injury, but the performances, despite the results, were not really inspiring. Some of that was most likely due to poor roster construction. However, I do want to see how this team, especially Pineda, handles some adversity. This week will be a good test with everyone out for international duty. Does the team have enough quality players to get a result this week? And who replaces Almada? And do you think Eric Lopez makes the game day roster this week? Hmm, I do think Lopez will make the game day roster. The team has already announced three uh, emergency signings of uh, Luke Brennan, Firmino, and um, Carlton. I don't think any of them are going to play because you're only allowed to play in two games if uh, if you're called up one of your four windows that you're allowed to be called up into. So I do think Lopez... We'll make the game day roster. I do think Atlanta has enough talent to beat Columbus on the road, even missing the three starters and and the other bench players. It's just going to depend upon what the crew decide to do. They're going to be missing two of their best players, uh, two of the better players in the league. So that's going to handicap them. But Wilfried Nancy is a very, very good coach. They still have a lot of talent, particularly on the defense. So we're just going to have to see. And I can't answer your Almada question yet because I just said why. Henry, friend of the podcast, says, Hey, Doug, here are my questions. Given the amount of quality players that won't be available, how do you think the game plan will change? I don't think it'll change. Nada is a plug-and-play guy. It's something he tried to do last season, even though he really couldn't in, in some weeks. He had to switch to three center backs because he's just out of players, attacking players. But I don't think you're going to see the tactics change very much at all. I think you're going to see Atlanta United try to keep the ball, try to attack. Now, I need to point out that in their first road game at Charlotte, Charlotte had the majority of the possession. Atlanta United did not. But Atlanta United had also scored first, which may have affected Charlotte's game plan and let Atlanta United play without the ball for a little bit. So we'll see how that goes. 
Henry continues, do you think the offense can still produce without Tiago Almada? I do. Do you think his and Yako's absences will significantly impact how Columbus approaches defending against Atlanta United? I, I don't think so. I, I, just, I just don't think so. Teams are supposed to do what they do. Nancy has a system that worked in Montreal very well. Is too early to, to render a verdict uh, for Columbus because he just joined for this season. So we'll see on that one too. Lastly, Star Wars or Star Trek? There's a correct answer. Don't fail me, Doug. How about Spaceballs? I'm going with with three. Spaceballs. T says that his shorts... No, that's a Spaceballs reference. T says, while I have enjoyed Apple TV's presentation, I find myself watching less games due to the standardized start times. Well, did you know you can go back and rewatch some of the games? I know I can watch any game at any time. Oh, yes, he does. But I prefer to watch my sports live. Although I like the consistency with the scheduling, I feel that the MLS schedule makers and Apple TV missed an opportunity by not scheduling a couple of marquee games each Sunday. I hope this is something they can consider next season and beyond. What are your thoughts on this? Well, there is typically a national game that comes on before Apple TV's other games. Sometimes there's two. Last week it was uh, LAFC Seattle. The week before it was Atlanta United Charlotte. So they do do some staggering. Uh, As for the Sunday games, I'm not sure uh, what the logic is on that. I don't mind the consistent start times. It makes it a little bit easier, at least for me, to follow games. But I can understand why that would be a little bit frustrating for you. Ben says, did I hear you say Almada's kick and his goal last week had a gentle curve? I recommend watching the replay from behind. The ball curved a crazy amount. Nothing gentle about it. Now, I'm going to disagree with you because I've watched this free kick I don't know how many times. And while it had a dip, the curve, it, it was... Uh, what's what I'm looking for? It wasn't like a slider. It was more just like a, a regular curve coming around and down. Um, watching it from behind, you could see the curve. You could kind of figure out where the ball was going because it had such a, a long distance to travel, 35 yards. He, he hit it, by my calculations, about 35 miles an hour, which is insane considering he's about 5'7", 130 pounds soaking wet. But it's just technique, as Kevin and I were talking about earlier. Anyway. It was just a world-class free kick. Ray says, sorry, Atlanta United, but I'm not going to pay more for Atlanta United games on Apple TV than the cost of my prime monthly cost, Peacock and Netflix. MLS 10 years ago was doing things to encourage new viewers. Now MLS is trying to limit additional fans. I guess they think MLS has enough fans. Well, first, this isn't Atlanta United's decision. This is a league decision and an Apple decision. And the fact that the games can now be seen in more than 200 countries, I think is an attempt to get more fans. So I understand your frustration, but I I don't agree with your, your conclusion. Pat says, I listened to today's podcast on Marta heading to the airport. I'll be doing that on Saturday, Pat. I wanted to comment on Yurgos's goal. I noticed the last home match that all players hit long balls and warmups. Now that was not the case last year that I recall. I was always impressed with the balls. Leandro Gonzalez Perez would hit, but last night was the first time I've witnessed a double Almada to Araujo to Wiley, then a perfectly weighted ball from Wiley. There's obviously been work done and emphasis on employing the long ball when appropriate. I love to build out of the back, but if you have the skill to drop a ball on a teammate's foot from 40 yards and break a line in the process, I say, have at it. Now, this was something that Pineda desperately wanted from the team last season. He wanted the ball to move fast. He wanted runners behind the lines, runners into space, but it just wasn't happening for whatever reason. I don't know why. Uh, part of it just may have been 
player selection or players available. But you are seeing more of that now. You saw Robinson, I think it was this recent game, hit a 50-yard diagonal on a dime uh, that led to a corner kick, I think it was. It may have been two games ago. They all kind of blend together for me. But the goal you're talking about, Jurgis's goal, it actually started with Almada to Arahujo to Wiley back across to Yorgos. So it made a Z or a, a extended Z going up the field for Yorgos's headed goal, which was the first headed goal for M- for Atlanta United in MLS this season. And Pat says someone needs to start to bring Mike Conti lozenges if we keep putting up numbers like this. Mike Conti's a good guy. All right, Colonel, here's your Miguel Berry question, which we answered earlier. Hernando says, I'm a big Gonzalo Pineda fan and hope he stays with us at least as long as Brian Schmetzer has been with Seattle. Gonzalo should have been named to the MLS team of the match day instead of Christian Latanzio. Do you think it is because the national media does not like Pineda, not ever giving him enough credit, or because Diego Almada was transcendent for Atlanta and MLS wants to shine the light in other places besides Atlanta? Uh, No, I mean, Charlotte got its first win of the season, so they should give credit to Latanzio. Steve says, thanks for your great coverage of the five stripes, Mr. Robertson. Uh, My dad is Mr. Robertson. I'm just Doug. As someone who does not have Apple TV, it would be interesting to know the team's TV viewing is compared to early games in the previous years. We are never, ever going to get that information, Steve, though it would be interesting. Michael says, thanks for doing the podcast. Well, thank you for listening and subscribing. It is really enjoyable week by week as you post them. Assuming Amada gets sold in the summer transfer window, does it make sense for Atlanta United to possibly off Miles Robinson a designated offer Miles Robinson a designated player contract to potentially keep him here? I'm sure he wants to see he wants to wait to see what offers are out there, but I do not know that he has ever said he wants to go to Europe. I would put him at the same level as Walker Zimmerman, who signed his DP contract last year. I think Robinson is a lot better than Zimmerman, to be honest with you. I think Zimmerman is good. I just think Robinson is a much, much better one on one defender. And no, I don't think Atlanta United would offer Miles Robinson a DP contract. You are correct. I've never heard Robinson say that he wants to play in Europe, but he tends to just focus on the next day. We've heard him say that a a bunch of times, including on Tuesday when he was made available by the U.S. men's national team. So I don't think you're going to see that. Now on to our mailbag question of the week. Jason says, they should open the upper deck against Philadelphia for that match in Jim Curtin's honor. They should sell Jim Curtin party pack four tickets and four beer vouchers for $100. Perhaps a TIFO of Ugga 10 attacking Jim and eating his cheesesteak would be fitting. I digress. He's talking about Jim Curtin making fun of Atlanta United supporters earlier this year because Jim's dad happened to sit by a couple who said they were just there to party. But anyway, love the ideas, Jason. That's going to wrap up the mailbag. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now, on Instagram at Douglas David Robertson. This is Southern Fried Soccer. Hug your loved ones. Communicate with your loved ones. Y'all take care.